Would you find Acts, please, Acts, the book of Acts in chapter 10, and we're going to begin reading here in the next few minutes, uh, taking up at the 38th verse. And so, Lord, we're just so grateful for your word. Can I get a hearty amen? This morning, we're going to continue our study on the healing heart of God, and uh, we've discovered over this these series of lessons that God's name reveal his nature and all of his names are redemptive. Everything that, that God has written about in his word is so that he could reveal himself unto us and that Jesus' uh, mission and ministry revealed the healing heart of God. Not only did Jesus go about ministering, uh, healing and performing miracles, but he also taught and in teaching he would strengthen the faith of those that were hearing And then we saw that God is full of mercy and grace. This morning we're going to be uh, looking at the subject matter specifically of healing and miracles and and seeing how they are somewhat related and and yet they're distinct and uh, in their own ways. And so I've given you a definition in your handout of healing and miracles. So healing in the New Testament is found in in three Greek words primarily. There's really, uh, if you count some of the verbs and uh, the adjectives, there's really around six, but these are the three primary Greek words in the New Testament for healing. And what they communicate is it's God showing care, paying attention. He provides treatment. Uh, He brings about a cure. It means to save, to give support through therapy, To help us to understand this more thoroughly, we can see that the Lord is working with humanity to bring about a healing and a cure. This is both instantaneous or immediately as well as a process. And we're going to be taking a look now at Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, and it reads this way. This is Peter uh, ministering to the house of Cornelius, and he gets to the portion of his message where he's communicating this truth. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. If we break down this verse into several different uh, portions, we can see, first of all, that Jesus was anointed by his heavenly Father with the Holy Spirit And with power. And as a result of that, he was able or had the capacity to go about doing good. Many times when we read this portion of scripture, we focus primarily on healing and and all those who were oppressed or uh, uh, by the devil for God was with him. But I want to land, first of all, on the phrase doing good. It is where we get the term in our language, the English language, uh, philanthropist. In other words, Jesus was very benevolent. He went about doing good. Uh, Jesus had uh, really a lot of resources. Uh, We know of the Christmas story when the wise men came and they brought gifts. Uh, Today's uh, estimation of the amount of resources that they gave to to, uh, Mary and Joseph on that particular visit that they had is upwards in the millions of dollars. And, And you think about, that that's a, a substantial amount of money in 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 any season. I mean, if you look at it in in the current uh, season of 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 where we are fiscally or economically, millions of dollars will go a long way. Well, that was the equivalent of what they gave unto them, and it was for the purpose of ministry. Uh, Jesus, we never see Jesus receiving an offering. 
he, he talks about giving. He talks about benevolence. He talks about those types of expressions of faith. But uh, he was well-funded. It, it doesn't mean that, that people didn't come and, and help him or support him along the way, but there's not a lot of documentation of that. So where did all these resources come from? You know, Jesus traveled with 12 men for three and a half years. They were constantly on the move. Well, part of it was through hospitality. It was the Middle Eastern culture that wherever Jesus went, that, that people would open up their homes and, and show hospitality. But uh, we also know that he paid along the way and that he provided for people along the way. Uh, it, it's interesting, even in the accounts of, of uh, the 5,000, the disciples were, were well equipped to go into the city and purchase everything. And, uh, and yet Jesus chose in those moments to show the miraculous power of God. So these, this, this phrase went about doing good, then Jesus would be a modern-day philanthropist. I, I mean, whenever there was a need, he would try to meet that need. It was a physical need, a felt need, then he, would, he could get involved. I, I think that's important for us to understand uh, that, that characteristic or that attribute about our Savior and about his ministry. But then we go on and we read, that he went about doing good. Well, what's some of the good that he did? Healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Several weeks ago, I talked about the difference between depression and oppression, and that depression is, is something that I think every person at some season of their life will encounter. It just means you're down. And there's many things that can bring people down. But oppression is more of an inward struggle or an inward battle, more of a spiritual battle. And we can see here who is behind everything that's oppressive. Oppressive means to push down as to crush. You can be down in spirits because maybe the weather isn't good. Maybe you're not feeling well. Maybe there's something going on in your family that you're concerned about or even at the workplace. And it can cause you to sort of be flat. Anybody ever had a flat day? And you just sort of blaze on, just sort of going through things. Well, there's many things that are, are good for us to sort of help bring about a remedy and a cure if we are down or depressed. Sometimes just someone giving us a phone call, a good meal, good night's sleep. Sometimes getting away for a few days and going to your favorite location or destination sort of lifts up your spirit. We talked about the importance that Scripture, you know, communicates to us about singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs and making good declarations of faith. We talked about the, the impact that has upon our neurological system, uh, the dopamine and, uh, and, and the endorphins and how all of that is activated when we sing, when we read scripture, when we do something for others. You know, I have discovered that if I'm down and I do something good for others, not only do I hopefully, you know, bring them up, but it brings my spirits up. Uh, one man put it this way. When the water in the bay rises, all the boats rise with it. We, we can be a Debbie Downer or we can go around and, and lift people up. And, you know, in lifting other people up, we put something in motion and it lifts us up. But it, it's sometimes challenging to do so. Sometimes we're, we, can, we can experience, you know, just some uh, 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 coming out of a, of a down season just by uh, watching a comedy. I... I I read many years ago about a man who was uh, diagnosed with a terminal disease and, and he's in the hospital and uh, he asked his wife if she would bring a bunch of uh, Three Stooges movies and all of the 
the, the comedy that he enjoyed, and what he did was just watch those movies over and over and over again, and he laughed and he laughed and he laughed, and he laughed himself right into health because a merry heart does good like a medicine. Now, see, one of the tricks of the enemy is to try to get us to believe that when we're down, there's no way up. That you're down and you're going down, 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 and there's no way up. And yet, Scripture clearly says God is the glory and the lifter of our head. We just need to get our eyes where they need to be. And, and we know how tricky and how conniving and how devilish the devil can be as far as just trying to get us to focus on the wrong, wrong thing or to get our eyes uh, off of the Lord. And so we have to be wise along those, those areas. But we see here that Jesus went about healing. And we're going to look at some uh, verses here in a few minutes that show us healing cannot, can be uh, instantaneous and also can be a process. And sometimes we, we, we struggle when, when we're not feeling well or we ask for prayer or we get ministered to if something doesn't happen immediately. But I do want to say something does happen immediately. And we just need to learn how to cooperate at that moment with what is happening immediately. So you're saying what's happening immediately is that we're inviting God into a situation where we are expecting him to manifest himself as a healer in our life. Something is happening when you're praying. Something is happening when you're praising. Something does happen when hands are laid on people. Something is occurring. Now, you may not see all the fruit of it, but the beginning of the process has begun and as one man said, we need to keep, keep the switch of faith turned on. And we're going to see that more clearly here in a moment in Scripture. And I, I've seen it. I, I've seen people minister to and, and have immediately re, uh, feel better. And I've seen people progressively get better. The good news is they're getting better. That, and that's what, it, what, that's what matters. And so when we see this word healing here, sometimes what we think of is just you know, instantaneous, no problems, no hiccups, no resistance, and that's not necessarily what Scripture communicates. As a matter of fact, this is where we get the English word therapy. Jesus went about doing good and providing therapy. Well, what is therapy? Anybody ever had therapy or a counseling session? Do you just go one time or do you set up multiple appointments? It's multiple appointments. Now, follow me for a minute. Why is that? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Both in Matthew chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 9 clearly communicates. Jesus went about. The phrase went about means in a circuit. He went about in a circuit teaching, preaching, and healing. Notice what preceded uh, what came before healing, teaching and preaching. Why did Jesus teach and preach? So that the people, so the people could have faith to receive. Why is the word of God taught? Because it's the seed of God that begins the process of faith coming alive to believe. Now, in Jesus' own hometown, we can read in Mark's chapter, uh, uh, Mark's gospel chapter 6, now, Jesus could do no mighty works there, except he lay his hands on a few people. And this is the way that it renders this few people in the Greek, few, a few people with minor ailments 
So he laid his hand on a few people with minor ailments and healed them. Then he, Jesus, perceiving their struggle to receive, marveled at their unbelief and said, a prophet isn't welcome in his own hometown. Now, the next verse tells us what Jesus did about it. Then Jesus went about teaching and preaching. So the remedy for unbelief is what? Hear, hear more of the word of God. Hear more of the word of God. If you're struggling with receiving, if you're struggling with believing, you need not to try harder, not to try to figure it out. Go get some therapy from Jesus. Let him therapy you into healing. Let him therapy. Let his words minister to you. Remember what the psalmist said? God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. And then James said, receive the engrafted word. That's the word of God. That's able to save your soul, bring healing or emotional stability to our soul. In a world that's so unstable, we need emotional stability. And Jesus is what to our soul? He's an anchor. And what is he to our feet? He's a rock. And who is he that unto? To those that receive his word. To those that receive his word. So when Peter is preaching, he uses the word therapy. And Jesus went about therapying, helping people. That, that puts a, a, a new light on it for some people. Because some people think, well, there must be something wrong with my faith. Or they even go to this conclusion. Well, there must be something wrong with a person ministering to me. And and none of those things really probably are even factual. The reality is, is that we need to just go back and understand the ministry of Jesus, how he ministered and how people receive, because in doing so, it helps us today, because our Lord is still alive. Isn't that the good news of the gospel, is that he was crucified, but on the third day he was resurrected, and he's alive forevermore. He is alive forevermore. So since he's alive, he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's doing everything that he did yesterday, today, and will do it forever. And how does he do it now? He does it through his word. He does it by his spirit. He does it through you and I. We'll read about that here in a minute. But it's just amazing, amazing, when we get our thinking squared away with the Bible, how much better the results are. When we get our mind renewed to the Word of God, how much it renews us and builds us up and gives us hope. So healing is a very wonderful thing that God provides. What about miracles? You can see the three primary words in the New Testament that are used for miracles. This is when This describes God's works, his wonder, his power, his signs. This is where we get the phrase signs and wonders. Have you heard that phrase? This is the miracle power of God. The first word is dunamis. Many of you are familiar with dunamis. Uh, It's akin to the word dynamite, but it's much more dynamic than that. The word dunamis means the advancing forces of an army that cannot be stopped. That's power. The word dunamis is power. Many times we equate it to dynamite. That is a good rendition. That's a good way to think of it. Dynamite is an explosive power, correct? Very explosive. It moves things. It shapes things. It's amazing. How many of you have ever been to Hoover Dam? 
There's a lot of dynamite they used to create space and openings, and that's dynamic in its power, correct? But an advancing army is another visual of this word dunamis that cannot be stopped. It is when the power of God manifests into this physical world. And the, the second word, uh, uh, Simeon and, and Terrace, they, they describe signs and wonders. But one of the thing about miracle working power is that when miracle working power is occurring, there's no law that supersedes it. It overrides all laws, all laws of nature, all laws of physics. And we're going to see that here in a minute. So this is immediate. This is always instantaneous. And as a reminder, in the gospel writings, there's 19 different accounts of healings and miracles. Now, they're recorded multiple times uh, throughout the gospel. So, uh, uh, but there's only 19 individual cases of healing or miracles that took place. And the reason that I bring this up is because they are there in multiple places, recorded multiple times, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And many times there's a little different slant or a little different perspective according to each gospel writer. So we get more of the picture. And I, I, I want to remind you of this truth when reading, especially the gospels, I likened it to four men that were assigned to climb a mountain. One was given the north face, the other the south face, one the east face, and one the west face. And along their journey up the mountain, they were assigned to document what they encountered, what they saw. When they got to the summit, they were to share the report with others. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were these four men given an assignment, climbed the mountain of God, Tell us about the things you encounter in the ministry of Jesus. When you get to the summit, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll write what you saw, what you experienced, and you'll have a full account of his ministry. John, though, in his writing, added this tag to it, which I find to be very, very encouraging. There's not enough libraries and there's not enough paper or parchment. There's not enough bookbinding companies to record everything that Jesus did. So this is why I say when Jesus, it's recorded, Jesus went about the cities and villages. It means he constantly was in the cities and villages. Can I bring something else to your attention? Remember when Jesus many times was somewhere and a life was changed or a need was met and the people in that town would say, would you stay here? Could you stay with us longer? We'll we'll set up provision. We'll do... And what did he say? I have to keep moving. There's other lost sheep in the house of Israel. So he was constantly in motion, constantly moving, which is a good indicator to us that just keep moving. Don't get stuck. Just keep moving. Just keep moving every day. Life is meant to be lived every day. Get up and keep moving. Keep going. Keep doing. Keep serving. Keep loving. Keep believing. Don't just sit down and give up. Just keep going, keep going. And even if you're not received in one place, you might receive, be received in the next place. Just because someone said no to you in one conversation doesn't mean the next conversation someone's going to say no. You just have to keep going. Amen? All right, so this miracle working of power is always instantaneous. In Acts 2, if you just turn back a few pages in verse 22, and uh, this is Peter once again preaching. And this is after he has uh, 
been filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Verse 22, he says, men of Israel, hear these words. Isn't that just an appeal? Can you hear the appeal of Peter to his own countrymen? Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Thank God for the resurrection. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about power. Resurrection, miracle-working power. Now, healing virtue and power is also part of God's remedy or therapy for mankind. But there are times when there is what? Dunamis. This is not therapy. This is bam. God said and it happens. It just, and all the laws contrary to it have to bow to the authority and the power of the resurrection. The life of God. The power of God. It's amazing, isn't it? And I know that you're probably thinking about different accounts that you've read of in the scripture of, of healing and miracles. And we're going to take a look at that. But I have one little Peace to sort of tie up before we look at some other verses. When I state that there's 19 individual accounts of healing or people receiving a miracle, in that scenario, 11 of the 19, that's a majority, right? That tips the scales. 11 of the 19, Jesus said their faith had something to do with it. So could it be that our faith has something to do with us receiving our needs met? And can I get a hearty amen? amen? This is this is the beauty of God working with man, not working apart from man, but working with man. Because God gave each and every one of us a tremendous gift when he gave us the gift of a will. He gave you the ability to choose. And he won't violate your will or your choice. We have to welcome or invite the Lord in. He's not going to muscle his way in. He's not going to bully his way in. He comes by invitation. And so when we invite him to come in, he comes in with all that he is and all that he has. Praise be to God for that. Amen. So let's uh, let's look at Mark's gospel, uh, chapter 16. I just want to remind you that in the Great Commission, there's both healing and there's miracles. Let's begin in the 15th verse. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. Notice the next phrase, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is one of the means in which we're to minister to people. This is the Great Commission. Verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven He was ascended into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God and they went out, his disciples, and preached everywhere and noticed what was going on. The Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. The word signs there means with dunamis power. So not only was there healing virtue and power through therapy because the early disciples taught. They taught people. So they could be established in faith. And then they also 
experience the Lord working with them, occasionally the miracle working power would manifest. But they went everywhere. What was the first thing that they went about doing? Preaching. Because it establishes someone in the knowledge of God. And we can't believe for anything beyond the knowledge that we have. We can't trust in the Lord beyond the knowledge that we have. And that's why we need one another to encourage one another. And that's one of the reasons God gave us ministry gifts is to help us to understand more of the knowledge of God so we can experience more of the blessing of God. Amen to that. And so we see here that healing and miracles are a part of the Great Commission. And and that commission is given to us also because the Lord hasn't returned and uh, we're still here representing him. Then there's this beautiful portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where uh, Paul is writing unto uh, the church and he's uh, reminding them of the gifts of the Spirit that have been given unto them through the Holy Spirit so that the Father and the Son uh, may be glorified. And here we see, we're going to pick up in the seventh verse, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Did you see that gifts of healings? Did you see the multa? Did you see the plurality there? Notice the text. It's not gift of healing. It's gifts of healing. Why is it gifts of healing? Because there's different things that ail us. But healing is available for all the things that ail us. By the same spirit, notice verse 10, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongue, to another interpretation of tongues, But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. So these are the gifts of the spirit. These are not our gifts. These are not things that we inherently have. They manifest as the spirit wills. So here we see gifts of healings and working of miracles. And when the Holy Spirit is in manifestation, then these things occur and happen. So let's go back to Matthew's gospel now. And I want to read about healing. We're going to begin in the fifth verse and we're going to read down through the 17th verse. I want to read these accounts and then we're going to go to John's gospel, chapter four, and read another one. It says, now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and what's the next phrase? Heal him. I will come and I'll bring therapy to him. I'm, I'll do, I like to think of it this way. Jesus does house calls. This man couldn't get to Jesus, but someone concerned about this man got to Jesus for him. So do you have someone that you're ever concerned about? Have you considered going to Jesus on their behalf? Lord, would you minister to so-and-so? So Jesus uh, is... Uh, is uh, going to go see the centurion. It says in in verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. And I say to this one, go and he goes to another, come and he comes and my servant do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those who followed, assuredly or truly, I say to you, 
I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, and the sons of the kingdom will be cast into the outer darkness. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, this is such a key phrase, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Verse 14. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and he arose and she arose and served them. Here we see Jesus ministering uh, once again to someone who has a fever and they arose and ministered unto everyone who was in the house or served them. Verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed. He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Going over into John's gospel, I want to read out of chapter 4, and I'm going to pick up in the 46th verse, and then I'll share for a moment, and then we'll go into the miracle working of Jesus. Verse 46, Jesus came to Canaan of Galilee, where he had made the water into wine, And there was a certain nobleman uh, whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And the nobleman said to men, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went his way. And as he was now going uh, down, his servant met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Um, the, the power that is not only in faith, but in believing the spoken word of God is absolutely life-altering. Absolutely life-altering. All things are possible to those who believe. Not some things, all things. And when we take God at his word and we begin to cooperate with the word of God, when we implore God, would you come? Would you minister? Would you heal? Would you intervene? Would you bring your therapy? Would you bring virtue? Would you come? He comes, doesn't he? Every time that we see Jesus is invited, he responds. Not with, I'm too busy. You know, you're not, you're, you're not, a, you're, you know, I'm sorry. I've just, you know, I can get to you a week from Monday, three months from now. Something like that, you know, which is what you're going to get sometimes in our medical system because we're just overtaxed. It's not that people don't care. It's not that people don't have compassion. It's just the people, you know, just don't have, they're not available. Jesus is always available. I mean, if people called, he came, he went, he ministered. And even when he was going one place, sometimes he would be diverted, go to another place, and then he'd just get right back on track. I just find tremendous comfort in that. What did he do? He brought healing, the healing balm of Gilead. Remember that phrase from the Old Testament? That's Jesus. The healing balm of Gilead. It brings healing to a house. And that healing is progressive and it's wonderful. When does it begin? Well, the hour that someone receives his word. 
The hour that someone believes and receives this word is when the healing virtue of the power begins. So does something begin immediately to happen when we believe? Oh, yes. And what do we have to do? Keep believing. Jesus ministering to people at times and in circumstances look bleak and dark. He would turn around and look at them and he said, only believe. One man said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And Jesus did help him with his unbelief. So Jesus is there to minister just like a good counselor or good therapist is. He's, he's on call. I think sometimes of, the, of Charles Schultz and, and uh, Peanuts, and for those that maybe aren't familiar with some of the greatest uh, character writers and, and cartoonists of all time, of course, he's famous for Peanuts, for Charlie Brown and Lucy and of course, Lucy was always the psychologist at five cents, five cents at her booth. And I don't know if her counsel was worth five cents, but she was only open during certain hours. I'm just so thankful that God's not like Lucy. Amen. We can come and drink of the water freely. We can come and partake and he will minister unto us and he'll keep ministering unto us. He'll help us with our unbeliefs. He'll help us with our fear. He'll help us with our doubts. He'll help us with the anxieties. He's there. He's forever the same. Now, let's take a look at miracles. And as you know, I'm just sort of giving you this caveat. I'm trying to cover as much material as possible. So if I'm speaking too quickly, please forgive me. And this message is being recorded, so you can always go back and listen to it if you so desire. Especially for those that are online, if you're interested in sharing these messages, that's always something that we're humble by. And... Uh, and a, and a great way to use technology today to get a good message out. But here, let's go back to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8. All of these things are in your notes. Uh, and verses 1 through 4, and let's take a look at a miracle. It says, When he had come down from the mountain, a great multitude followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Notice the posture of, of the leopard of humility and brokenness as he worshiped the Lord. Gen, then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed immediately. Everybody say immediately. immediately. And this is not a process. Immediately something happened with this man. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. It wasn't that Jesus didn't want others to know of the good news, but Jesus already had enough uh, obstacles traveling. So he's, he's coming in the city, and there's just thousands of people that are thronging around him. And so this man implores him. He ministers to him. There's a miracle that takes place, a notable miracle, this leprosy, this progressive disease that just erodes away the fabric of our humanity is immediately stopped, immediately stopped. And this man is made whole. We read the account, remember, of ten lepers. Ten lepers were ministered to. One came back and gave thanks. Jesus asked, where are the other nine? The man not having an answer for his friends, Jesus looked at him and said, go your way. It says, as he went, he was made whole. Which tells us something about thanksgiving also. That you can receive a need met, but we need to go back and give the Lord thanks because all ten, Jesus said, of the lepers were ministered to. One came back and gave thanks. When that one left, what does it say took place with him? He was made whole, which means that every part of his body that had experienced any type of 
ill effects because of the leprosy was actually mended and made whole. So if he had half an ear, he walked away and had a whole ear. If he had half a hand, he had a whole hand. Half a nose, his whole nose came back. That's a miracle. That's a miracle working power. Okay, let's, uh, let's read down in, in chapter 8 and verse 23 through 27. And then I want to close. And there's one more portion of scripture you can read there. It says, uh, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the sea obey him? All of nature altered. Everything, everything about that storm, that storm front, completely dissipated and was no longer present. And how did it happen? It happened because of the miracle working power of God. The miracle working power of God. We could use a lot of analogies to talk about storms in our life, but this was actually a physical storm where people's lives were endangered, where people were fearful, where people were concerned. And Jesus admonished them, you got to relocate your faith because at this moment the storm has got you all upside down. And that's what storms do. They get us cattywampus. And Jesus said, you got to relocate your faith. Where's your faith? What happened to your faith? Why'd your faith become little and the storm so big? So relocate your faith. And then Jesus took care of all the circumstances that were causing fear and concern to them. You know, God does more for us than what we could ever imagine. Have you ever thought of that? If God pulled back the veil and we could actually see how many times he has divinely intervened in their life, how humbled we would be. But I pray that we would you know, be reminded this morning that our God is a healer and our God is a miracle worker. I mean, we talk about walking on water. That's just not natural. That's supernatural. That's a miracle. Turning water into wine, that's a miracle. That was the first miracle of Canaan and Galilee. Wow, what a miracle that that was. What about the miracle of 4,000 people being fed, 5,000 people being fed with just a few few items. That's miraculous. That's dunamis. That's the power of God showing up. That's not progressive. That's just power, 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 power showing up. And who do we serve? We serve the God who's the God who heals us. We serve a God of miracles. And he's still the same today. Whatever our need might be, would we take a page from what we've read about this morning, humble ourselves, implore him, come to him, Welcome, invite him, cooperate with him, yield to him, submit to him, and allow him to continue to work in our lives. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, it's not. And if you're struggling with that, let Jesus therapy you back into believing. Let him be your therapist. Are you struggling? You have concerns, burdens, anxieties? Let Jesus be your therapist. Doesn't cost a nickel and he's always available. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.